0: We so often use this practice um, It's just a tool, right? The meditation practice, the mindfulness practice, the asana practice, they're all tools so that we can begin to discern what we are and what we're not. That's ultimately it. so then the inquiry becomes, how can I touch in on my essence, the part of me that is spacious and expansive and connected to the whole, to something larger than myself? And so the meditation and the asana practice ends up being this funny game. <laughs> right, where we abandon the essence of ourselves for the thought, for the feeling, for the storyline. And then the game is to catch ourselves and be like, oh, not this time. Not today. I'm going to rest back into something larger. I'm going to give myself some space. And when we do that, when we have that moment where we catch ourselves, and we pause, and we get space, right there, that's the moment when we're tapping into love. Right into our own loving awareness. And it requires a lot of self-honesty, like a real willingness to pull the blinders back, and to see ourselves clearly, to be able to withstand that. show up and we do it again and we do it again and more and more it gets intertwined into the very way in which we live our lives so that we begin to meet each moment with a sense of space and when we lose ourselves right when we abandon ourselves when we armor our our hearts with our thoughts with judgment we're much more likely to catch ourselves and to notice when the armoring is happening, when the forgetting who we are is happening, when we start to think that we're that thought, that we're that feeling. And then we come back to essence, to tap in to that river of love that is available to us at any moment, to that space. Take a couple deep breaths. You can touch your body in a way that feels kind and nice. You can just let your hands rest in your lap if you're feeling peaceful. Let's take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Deep breath in. The deep breath out. One more. Good. Just noticing, giving a little scan, noticing if anything shifted. From just pausing and being with yourself, listening to the Dharma, listening to your breath. And sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a firm no. (laughs) Just remembering there's no right answers here, that it's just about the witnessing, about the noticing, about training our awareness again and again towards the present moment, over and over. Because it's at that present moment where that vastness is available to us. It's only here. Good, okay. Mm, okay, friends. Um, a question was asked in the Zoom call yesterday that I think is worth talking about. Um, and the question was around anger and feelings of, um, hard feelings (laughs) towards the people in power right now, like towards the Trump family. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways in which, um, what's happening, with them and with the people, even the people in power in our own city, that there's a lot to be angry about. And so the question was, how do I personally work with that? Um, and if you have been around since, uh, Trump got elected, you may or may not have heard parts of this before, but, um, you know, There's a tool that we have in yogic practice, which is um, the tool of the altar, right? Which is we can make in our hearts, in our homes, in our cars, in our journals, right? In our phones, right? A place where we put, right? Things that remind us that can help reconnect us back to our own vastness, back to love right? And it might be pictures of our parents to remind us of where we've been and that this life was chosen just perfectly for us to grow. It might be, even if you have a hard relationship with your parents, like I do, um, or you might pick a picture of your teacher. You might pick a flower. You might pick a leaf that is turning beautiful golden colors, right? To remind you of the cycles of the seasons. It's a place inside of ourselves, outside of ourselves, that reminds us, right, of connecting back to the vastness available inside of us. And um, after the election in 2016, it became very clear to me (laughs) that the ultimate test of my own love, right, my own capacity for expansive love um, those of you who have been around a little bit, I end all of my classes by taking saying I take a bow down to that seed of expansive, expansive love that resides within each of your hearts. And I don't say that lightly. Um, what I mean by that is that when we begin to remember who we really are, that we remember that we are indeed that expansive love that resides inside of us. That's not out here. It's in here. And... Um, I felt for myself that one of the greatest challenges (laughs) to my love and most recent memory, to my capacity to believe that I can bring love to any situation, is to place a picture um, in my heart, (laughs) in my heart altar, of um, Mr. Trump in there. Um, And to say, to ask myself, can I bring love even here, even to this place? Right. And to be completely honest, the answer isn't always yes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I can tap into that empathy and sometimes I can't. Right. Um, I think about it quite a lot in the past four years, actually, um, because it is such a testament I think to the moment and then also to like what the work is that we're actually doing here. And the question always in yoga is that even here in the shadow, can I shine the light of love? Is that promise of yoga available to me even here? That connection to love, that connection to vastness. And sometimes you can feel it and sometimes you can't, right? So that's the first thing. That's kind of like big spiritual (laughs) life goals, Right, would be able to be in that consistent flow of love when um thinking about to connect back to that vastness, right? The purpose of the altar, um, even when thinking about the shadow that shows up in our life. Um and that's big picture, right? But then there's smaller, um not smaller picture, I would say more personal picture is the right word to use, where we have our own anger right and what comes up for us and anger for many of us many of us is where we tend to abandon ourselves right where we begin to actually other ourselves and it's because for whatever reason maybe we um we're told never to feel angry as children maybe culturally it isn't acceptable for us to be angry i know that i feel like that that it's not culturally acceptable for me to be angry on display it wasn't acceptable in my household um, maybe we judge ourselves and say oh it's not quote-unquote spiritual for me to show up and be angry like this um Maybe we're wanting something from the anger. Like we think if we get angry that we're going to get something. So there's like an agenda that creates distance there for us. Um, you, A way to recognize that when that comes up is actually easier in family dynamics where um, you get angry with someone in your household, but what's actually happening is that you just have an unmet need, right? <laughs> but we use anger thinking that we're going to get something. Anger is actually often where unmet needs show up. Um, So when we get angry, if we want to like create a little bit of buffer, which we're going to talk about, um, so that we have some spaciousness, like anger is, there's no, this is my one, I have so many one wishes. This is one of my one wishes for all of you is that we can all begin to understand that there is nothing wrong or bad about any of the feelings, any of the experiences, any of the phenomena that arise In this human experience, right? There's what happens, there's our response, and then there's in between where we get to insert our integrity. But before we get to, like, whatever our response is going to be that is full of our integrity, many times we have a lot of feelings that we have to go through first. So what happens, our initial, like, feelings about it, a little buffer, and then how we get to respond like adults. Right, and responding from our wounded place, like we talked about yesterday, would be responding from way over here. Um, So many times, anger becomes a place where we abandon ourselves. So we think that we're wrong or bad. Um, We create a distance because we're wanting some from the anger. We're judging. We're using negative self-talk wherever it is. And so it is. I feel so passionately about this right now (laughs) that there is nothing wrong with feeling angry about what happens right now, what's happening right now, what has happened in our country's history. And I actually think it's very motivating, right? Some of the most life-turning, potent, creative moments in my life started with a feeling of being very angry. Um, Full disclosure, the reason that I started doing yoga very seriously was because I was very angry. So I would not be sitting right here if I hadn't had an angry experience and noticed that yoga helped a little bit, right? Um, it's true. Like literally some of the most potent moments, think about it in your own life. Some of the most potent, potent creative moments came from first experiencing anger, right? And so here's the way I think to work with it, connecting back um, to that idea of the vastness of love available inside of us that is literally more vast than you can possibly imagine because it connects back to God or the divine or however, insert whatever word feels, spirit, whatever word feels, universe, whatever word feels comfortable. Um, And oh my gosh, yeah, I don't want to miss this part. Sorry, it's a long Dharma talk. I've been doing that on Monday sometime, but we're going to practice. It's going to be awesome. Fast forward if you need to. Um, There's nothing worse. You know, when you're around someone who's telling you how to feel or how you do feel, And how like disquieting and uncomfortable that is. Do you you know you guys know what I'm talking about? You probably have someone in your family or your friend or an old teacher or something like that who tells you how you feel and then also maybe how you should feel simultaneously. And it's kind of like, oh, get out of this, you know, like let's have some good clear boundaries, but we do that to ourselves all day. We tell ourselves how we should feel and how we are feeling all day without a lot of buffer and without a lot of spaciousness, right? Um, So it's something to start to practice like we did in that opening meditation with just giving ourselves a little bit of space. And I think that that's the key with working with anger, with frustration, with feelings that are really like fiery. Um, it's not to abandon ourselves and be like, oh, I'm wrong and bad. I'm going to shove that down because it's going to come out sideways somewhere else when we do that. So the key is to um, recognize and name it, right? There's all these studies about how useful that is for our emotional intelligence to be like, oh my gosh, whew, I'm angry. Begin to feel that in ourselves. And then to give ourselves the spaciousness to feel it, don't even try to change it, just be with the anger. Right, and it's not a place we want to live or cultivate like constant (laughs) anger-inducing things by being on the Instagram and like searching hashtag patriot prayer. You know, like that's not something that we want to be doing all the time. But we do want to be able to experience anger in a way that is also like touching back into that vastness available to us, Um, and not telling ourselves how to feel. And what we should feel and what's okay to feel all the time. its That's like the worst kind of person to be with. Um, so, bup, 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 bup. yeah, and those, um, when we abandon ourselves by thinking that our anger is somehow bad or wrong, it's also like a way in which we're armoring our heart. right? We're using our thoughts of bad and wrong to then create an armor around our heart. And when we can be with something right, in a spacious, open way, it's that we get that opportunity to open our hearts again and again and again. And it's funny, but being with anger, I think, is actually one of the most heart-opening activities that you can possibly do. If you can just sit there and be like, I'm gonna just sit, be with my anger, It's like opening and opening and opening again and again. It's really profound. Um, I brought this quote from Laura McAllen. She's a um, writer. She wrote a book. You can look it up. Um, I saw it on the internet. I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. She writes, bravery is rarely about doing something bold. The most brave act is often a quiet internal moment when we sit in great discomfort, close our eyes, and gently whisper, I will stay. That's it. I'm going to read that one more time. Bravery is rarely about doing something bold. The most brave act is often a quiet, internal moment when we sit in great discomfort, close our eyes, and gently whisper, I will stay. And it is in the staying that right at that moment where we connect to the expansive love that resides inside of each side inside of each of you right it's in that moment when we just stay and be with and don't change and accept our own wholeness for what it is at that very moment